Amen. If uh, you would turn with me in the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, we're going to look at two question and answers uh, that are a little bit distant from each other as we uh, take a, a, a one-week break from working through Ezekiel and then uh, two weeks as we'll have a, a student here uh, next Sunday after classes. Uh, so in the Forms and Prayers, the Smaller Forms and Prayers book, let's start at page 222. And uh, we'll read question and answer 54 together from page 222. And then we'll jump over to question 123. Uh, but we begin with question and answer 54 page 222 in the smaller forms and prayers. I will read the question. Let's together say the answer. What do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church? I believe that the Son of God, through His Spirit and Word, out of the entire human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, protects, and preserves for himself a community chosen for eternal life and united in true faith, and of this community I am and always will be a living member. And then uh, let's turn over to page 255 and question and answer 123. So we move from a line in the Apostles' Creed to a line in the Lord's Prayer. And I'll read the question. Let's together say the answer to 123. What does the second petition of the Lord's Prayer mean? Your kingdom come means rule us by your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you, preserve and increase your church, destroy the devil's work, destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do all this until your kingdom fully comes when you will be all in all. That is the confession we hold in common. Let's uh, turn now to the Holy Word of God. Now, the people of God in the Old Testament, uh, as you're turning to Judges 3, I'll make a couple of comments. The people of God in the Old Testament were both God's church, God's holy community, and God's nation, God's army. And so if we think about the language of the coming of God's kingdom and destroying the forces of evil and the various ways in which God does that, we might say that was more visible in the Old Testament covenant, in the Old Testament uh, era uh, before the institution of the New Testament church. Uh, and so we, we go back to that time. We go back to the beginning of the days of Judges, Judges chapter 3. And we'll read verses 7 to 11 
of Judges 3. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, page 257 in most of the blue ESV Bibles. Judges 3, beginning at verse 7. Let us hear now the word of God. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherah. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishthayim, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Rishthayim eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel, who saved them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Rishthayim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishthayim. So the land had rest forty years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. So far the reading. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our Lord endures forever. And dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, whether it is the uh, results of a statewide election or wars on the other end of the globe, it is so easy to get the bad news of the kingdom of this world and uh, the news of our own state is discouraging. The news around the world is discouraging wars and rumors of war and one war-torn place and another. Uh, all of these are, are part of the distress of this fallen world. But there is other news that could be shared, that could also come with lightning speed from one side of the world to the other, but it's not usually the focus of five-minute national news podcasts or, or uh, the local news station for those who still watch those or, or whatever it is. Usually good news is not the focus of the secular news teams of this world, the advancing of the gospel from one place to another, the church being built up in one place to another. And so, brothers and sisters, tonight we think about, let's say it this way, why is the name Kushan Rishthayim meaningful? Why does, why does that name mean anything to us? Why is that more important than the names involved in recent elections of our state or other places? And it relates to this fact, the fact that as God's people we are called to pray for your kingdom to come. We are, let us say it this way, we are to have a focus upon the coming of God's kingdom in our thoughts and our prayers, which does not cover over the concerns of the kingdoms of this world such that we would you know, put on our blinders and have no awareness of what is going on, 
but which does have precedence. It is to be the focus of our of our heart, of our mind, of our prayers. The kingdom of God over the matters of the kingdoms of this world. And uh, and so we consider the name of Kushan Rishthayim and uh, the events of of God's people from long ago, and we do so with this theme tonight, keep your focus upon the sure coming of God's kingdom. And uh, here, for this generation of God's people long ago, we see that with Yahweh's chastening dominion, Yahweh's sustaining presence, and then briefly, we'll have a third uh, brief point, Yahweh's ruling spirit. Well, we begin with Yahweh's chastening dominion, his his hand of, of punishment, of discipline for the people of God. And uh, at this point, uh, let us uh, let us have one of those, you know, uh, did it did it really unravel that fast moments? Because because where are we stepping into when we step into Judges three? We're stepping into the time of the first generation of God's people in the promised land. Uh, Caleb was of the older generation. We're told in Joshua 14 that he was 85 years old when the people came into the promised land. And and so who is Othniel, his younger brother, or uh, the the Hebrew word for brother there can mean nephew, and that, that should probably be the translation, his younger nephew. He's... The point, the point is this. He's, he's the next generation. He's the first generation of God's people in the promised land. So we don't have a specific time stamp, but, but we have a generation stamp. These are the people who just came into the promised land. And uh, Othniel uh, was involved in that conquering of the promised land as, as we could read back in chapter 1, verses 11 to 15. This is the generation of people who have just come in the after after all of the wilderness wandering, after all of the, the years of slavery in Egypt before that, they are in the promised land. Everything is good now, right? No, no, it is, it is not. Uh, immediately, uh, there is the problem of sin, even in the promised land. And uh, the, uh, the record of those sins is given back in verses 5 and 6. If, six, if we just look back there, uh, verse 5, so the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and their daughters they took to themselves for wives, and their own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served their gods. Three sins we see right away. Number one, they did not completely conquer the promised land as they were called to do. And number two, they are marrying unbelievers. Uh, the the gods of the those whom they are marrying are still the false gods. So, in other words, these are these are not uh, people like Ruth, who said, "Your God will be my God, and your people my people." That that does not count as marrying a person of the land. No, they still served the other gods. And what happened after they married them? Then they served those other gods. This is uh, a generation that we might think. Well, everything was going to go good for one generation, right? But, but no, immediately. Uh, there are sins, and there are sins that are in need of judgment. And uh, as I said, you know, we think about God destroying the devil's work and every force which revolts against you. Uh, God's work was often more 
visible in the Old Testament, both his work of chastisement and his work of deliverance. And so the chastisement, the discipline, comes very visibly. God brings it upon the people in the form of a foreign ruler who is raised up, Kushan Rishthayim. And it is very clear in verse 8 that this is the Lord's doing. This is Yahweh's chastening. This is Yahweh's discipline. What is Yahweh? That is, that is just, uh, that's how you say the, the name for Lord in all caps from our text. And uh, in the five verses of our text, we have that covenant name, Lord in all caps, Yahweh. We have it seven times in five verses. It is, it is very clear that Yahweh, the God of Israel is the one at work in all of these things, including the bringing of the agent of discipline. Kushan Rishthayim comes. And uh, uh, unlike many times in the Old Testament, we, we know uh, very little about this king. Uh, we just know he's from the relatively distant land of Mesopotamia. There's no other record of him anywhere unless uh, unless we have a record of him by, by another name because this is probably a nickname that the Israelites gave to him. Kushan Rishthayim just means Kushan of double wickedness, which is probably not the name he was given at birth. But what, is it, what does it emphasize? This is, this is the name by which the Israelite people call him. He was, uh, he was an oppressor. He, he brought discipline. He brought chastisement. He was a man of double wickedness. Uh, and so this, this discipline lasts for eight years and they are under his hand and it is all the Lord's doing. The first generation and the people are in need of severe discipline. And what is the purpose of this? Well, it's the beginning of what is sometimes called the cycle of the judges, which we could also call the downward spiral of the judges because really it just gets worse and worse and worse. And the, the pattern is this, that God disciplines in order to make the people turn to him, in order to deliver them. And that's exactly what we see. And so Yahweh's discipline leads immediately into Yahweh's sustaining hand and sustaining presence. Just as it was clear that the Lord is the one who sold them in verse 8, so as we come to our second point and look at verse 9, it is now clear that God is the one who saves them. The turning point being the repentance of the people. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel who saved them. This is the purpose of God's discipline. Again, the, the, the Old Testament is, is, so, is so visible, uh, right? The, the, the people of God are the nation of God and God brings both the discipline and the deliverance in, in a very visible way. Uh, this, is, this is helpful for, for all of us at any age as, as we consider God's word and how he works and how he delivers, even though it doesn't happen exactly the same way in the generations now, even though uh, God's people are no longer a nation with an army, 
called to sometimes go out and conquer as they were back then. And uh, the, the purpose of the judges, uh, who could also just be called leaders, is detailed back in chapter 2. And, and just very shortly, the judges were not just people who sat there and gave judgments. That is part of what they did. And there's an example of that in Judges chapter 4. But the judges were military leaders. In fact, from the description of Judges 2, uh, we might say that's the first thing they were called to do, together with proclaiming the name of God. So Judges 2 also says sometimes the people did not listen to the judges. So, you know, we, we have this word judge and we think of, you know, judges and the elections of judges and those kinds of things. And we think of somebody sitting and giving judgments. That was only, that was only maybe the third part of the task of the judges of Israel. They were to speak about God and they were to be military uh, leaders. And uh, this is, uh, this is God's servants. He raises them up very visibly and he works by his people. And uh, again, this is helpful for us at any age, but it's we might say it's even especially helpful for children who grow up in the church. Right? The clashes of kingdoms are not always visible uh, to the eye in the same way today. Uh, and so as our as our children grow and are raised in the church, we we teach them the stories of the generations of God's people. And it gives very young minds visible events to grab hold of. God disciplined his people. A foreign king marches in. They are under the rule of of this double wickedness ruler for eight years. That's a very visible thing. And then God visibly raises up his judge, his military leader, to deliver the people. All of this is, is God's work. And it was, it, was, it was visible in the Old Testament in, in a way that it's not visible in the same way today. And this is helpful for all of us to, to grab hold of how God works and how God is in control of all things. But it's, it's even especially helpful for for those who are younger, to, to grab hold of, to see visibly uh, God working, God bringing discipline, God bringing uh, salvation. Uh, well, here it is. God is, uh, is uh, he brings up Othniel, who as a relative of Caleb is a, uh, is a member of the tribe of Judah. And so... Even in that way, the first judge, remember the book of Judges is sometimes called a cycle, but we can call it a downward spiral. Uh, the first judge is in that way uh, uh, a more obvious symbol of Christ than some of the judges who comes after him. Because who is Christ? Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Christ is the true savior and leader from this tribe, the tribe of Judah, the tribe of David, the tribe of Caleb, the tribe of, of Othniel. Uh, they are all members of the same tribe. And ultimately, the Lord is our judge, our lawgiver, our king. It is he who will save us, as the prophet Isaiah says it in Isaiah 33:22. Now, 
one of the ways that we can grab hold of this passage is by thinking about the very visible things going on. But another way, please, if you would turn with me to Psalm 106. This is, uh, this is a critical text. Please turn with me to Psalm 106. You know, why is, why is the name Kushan Rishthayim important? What, what do we learn from a text like this? Why is it more important to know about Kushan Rishthayim than, you know, other hard to pronounce names of, of political leaders of today? Well, it is, it is because, as the psalmist says it in Psalm 106, verse 4 to 6, Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them, that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. Both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Those are the verses that introduce the psalmist working through from one generation to another many of the ways that God has worked in and through his people through the Old Testament times. And it goes through Egypt and it goes through the period of Judges. It works through the history of God's people. That These are three key verses for us as we consider Judges or, or any of the Old Testament histories of God's people. And I want you to see two things especially. When we see God's people quickly called falling into sin, when we see the first generation going into the promised land falling into sin, when members of this church who have lived in this community for 50, 60, 70, 80 years see that a community that was never perfect has fallen into sin in a way that it was not in those sins in the same way in the past. When, when we see the gospel light lost quickly in one lifetime from one generation to another and we see many falling into sins, the point is not to just point the finger and say, ah, look, uh, there's the sinful generation. There's the sinful people. The point is to bring it back upon ourselves. Both we and our fathers have sinned. In other words, the point is to say uh, sin sin is a problem and we all need to face our own sins. We all need to confess our own sins. And it is going to happen from one generation to another. Even in the generations where, where you would hope and expect that you wouldn't see it like the first generation in the promised land. Psalm 106, verse 6. Uh, look at all the ways that the people have needed deliverance and know that we all need deliverance. We are all sinners. But not only uh, sinners in need of deliverance, but that God from one generation to the, uh, to the next gives deliverance. And that's verses 4 and 5. Briefly summarized, isn't it? God didn't say, you're in the promised land, you have all these blessings, I brought you in through, 
through miraculous deliverance and military victory, and already you've, you've gone away from me, and now I'm, I'm not going to save you. That's it. I, I have nothing more to do with my people. No. From one generation to another, God saves sinners. God doesn't say, oh, the, uh, the gospel light is, is growing dim in the United States. I'm going to forget my people there. God continues to deliver sinners who cry out to Him from one generation to the next. God's work is not done. God is always working to preserve and increase His church. That's our prayer. That's part of what we say when we pray, Your kingdom come. And even though it's it's not as visible... Even though God doesn't raise up the Othniels with the swords in the same way that He did, He now calls us to go forth with the sword of His Word. Even though it's not visible in the same way, God is still accomplishing, preserving, protecting, increasing His people. He's still destroying the opposition from one generation to the next. And one generation to the next needs God's Work God's Word and Spirit upon us in such a way that we would repent and that in repentance we would more and more submit. These, these are all, this is all language of question and answer 123 and it relates closely to language of, of question and answer 54 as well. This is, this is what God does in His church to this day from uh, by His Spirit and Word, He gathers, protects, preserves. And uh, people of God, our, our third point is, is brief. Uh, but really, we'll just say it this way. Look at that language of, of Spirit and Word in question and answer 54. Look at the language of Word and Spirit in question and answer 123. And know that it is the same Spirit, even though visibly, What's going on looks quite a bit different. It's the same spirit who was at work to affect these things. And so how was it that Othniel was a deliverer for God's people? A deliverer who anticipated the greater son of David in the tribe of Judah and the greater sure salvation won by Jesus Christ. How, how did he did it? He, he, he did it because the spirit of the Lord was upon him. And that's the language of the text in the beginning of verse 10. The same ruling spirit who brought deliverance in such visible and immediate ways in the Old Testament is the same Holy Spirit who brings salvation in, yes, not, not immediately visible in the sense of the sword, but, but immediately felt in the hearts of God's people. And immediately effective as that spirit is the same spirit who continues to come upon, the same spirit by whom the church continues to be preserved and increased and strengthened and defended from one generation to the next. And so, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, we we have we have we have many 
concerns of the kingdoms of this world, and we are not blind to them. But may question and answer 123, like some of the other question and answers, not just be our profession, but also our prayer. And may the profession of our heart and, and the prayers of our lips and hearts, may, may they be focused on God's kingdom. From one generation to the next, God is preserving. God is saving, even as God is bringing discipline. It is His church. It is His work. It will be done until His kingdom fully comes and God will be all and in all. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, our Lord, we thank You and praise You for the perfect record you have given of of the very visible deliverance you gave to your people long ago. And Lord, we praise you that you continue to deliver. Even as uh, you do not use the sword as you once did, may the sword of your word surely